she wanted to be the one to tell him and I love the way she told him she said she said do you know so-and-so my birth mother's name and um, he said yeah yeah how do you know her my sister said I don't know her but I know her daughter he's really how do you know her daughter and he's she said, well, because she's your daughter, too. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and today you're going to meet Tracy, who called me from Nashville, Tennessee. She was raised in a family with a genetic trait that deeply impacted her middle sister, driving her appreciation for the power of genetic testing. Tracy knows a lot about her birth mother, even though the woman rejected her twice. Process of elimination led her to her birth father, several loving siblings, and healing from the heartache of her first attempt at reunion. This is Tracy's journey. Tracy was relinquished at six weeks old. To this day, her dad tells the story of the day they brought her home to their family. Her parents picked up Tracy and the bag of clothes she came with, put her in their car, and left the bag of clothes on the roof of the car when they drove off. Tracy's mother had experienced several miscarriages, and they were told she could not bear children. A little over a year after Tracy went home, she became a big sister when her mother delivered a second child against the odds. Her mother's due date for Tracy's little sister was the same date as Tracy's final adoption hearing date. Her mother went on to have a third daughter, so Tracy has two younger sisters. I don't ever remember not knowing. They is just been a part of me and a part of my world, a part of my language for as long as I can remember. My, my mother and my youngest sister are carriers for a genetic abnormality that's very similar to Down syndrome. My middle sister was handicapped and so I think that that dynamic kind of kind of made the fact that I was adopted just non-existent almost you know it was just it was a different dynamic I never felt like an outsider or or not a part of things not a part of my family it was just always something I always knew mm. and um, they were they were always very open about it you know mm. we'll tell you what we know but we don't know much was was the, was the way it was. Hmm. How did their the genetic issue that they had? How did that help you be more integrated into the family? Say more about what that means. So you know, at the time, um, it well, at the time, it was actually a relief for me because because being in Nashville. Um, we were close to Vanderbilt and, and Vanderbilt, they were doing a lot of studies and that was pretty much how, um, how my family found out about this genetic connection that, that caused my sister's, um, handicap. And so at the time it was like, oh, thank goodness. They don't have to draw my blood 
because um, um. I'm, you know, that was that was what it meant to me. Um, but certainly, as uh, as I was older and as DNA became more prominent, um, that that interest in DNA and that interest in genetics. I ha- it was it was rooted in in my experience with my adoptive family, as much mm-hmm. as anything. I does see. that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I guess I I think what I'm sensing from you is that because your sisters and forgive the words weren't normal kids, right? If you were the adoptee and they were low, for lack of better words, normal kids, you might have felt like an outsider. But because you were special in the way that you're adopted and they were special in the way of this genetic defect. Every one of you kids was special and therefore your adoption. That's exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that's exactly right. Now, now my middle sister was very obviously a handicap, just like you could, you could, you can see most folks with down syndrome and recognize them. You could, mm-hmm. you could look at my sister and know, Yes, she was mentally handicapped. Mm-hmm. My youngest sister was simply a carrier, so she was normal in, well, I told her that she, <laughs> I told my youngest sister that I was picked out and they were stuck with her. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, siblings, kids can be mean. <laughs> Sibling rivalries, man, I tell you. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, the focus was always, seemed to be on on you know including my middle sister in everything we do we did she has since passed passed on but it just that was that was the dynamic in our family mm-hmm. it wasn't that one child was adopted and the other two weren't mm-hmm. it was it was something totally different tracy's middle sister jennifer was the light of their lives the sisters played together with her sometimes putting makeup on their middle sister and generally having fun. Tracy's sister passed away at almost 36 years old. She was born with a heart defect that was unrelated to the genetic condition that impacted her life so deeply. Citing her own deep faith in God, Tracy said she was meant to be Jennifer's sister. She also said she has a great relationship with her parents. Tracy's mother was a stay-at-home mom. Her father, worked his way up from the mailroom of a local newspaper to the executive level of Gannett News Company. My relationship with them was and still is very good. Um, They are my parents, Mm -hmm. and um, no one will ever change that. No discovery through searching or anything like that will ever change the fact that they are my parents, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. Her parents believed in keeping their kids busy and out of trouble. Tracy was in piano lessons, took dance lessons, and was a cheerleader in high school. Like she said, Tracy was never made to feel othered in her family, but they were very close with her father's side of the family, and that's where she was able to detect subtle differences in herself versus her siblings. That, when I was with my extended family, that was the only time that I felt, um, different is a too strong a word, but... I could see the physical similarities between my sister, particularly my youngest sister, and some of my cousins, mm-hmm. my first cousins. Mm-hmm. And and not that I ever felt outside. That's not what I mean. But it's when I noticed that I didn't look 
like anybody else in my family. Mm-hmm. Does what, that make sense? Yeah, it does. What what were what are some characteristics differences between? Is it body type? Is it hair color? What's the what are it's, the things that stand out for you? It's hair color. It's hair color. It's it's um, um my my youngest sister. If she hears this, she's gonna shoot me. Um, always she always have she has blonde hair and dark eyebrows, and several of my cousins have that have that feature and and I was always brown had brown hair brunette um and so it was just it was those times that I would think oh you know she looks she looks like them and I don't Mm -hmm. and and it was just it was just something that maybe went through my mind periodically it wasn't anything I I dwelled on or anything like that but yeah it was certainly when I noticed or when I would make that realization that that I wasn't, I wasn't genetically connected with them, and 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 because of the knowledge around genetics with with my middle sister, you know, that's it. It, it had meaning to me probably earlier than it would have otherwise. If yeah, that makes sense, it does. Yeah, genetics came into your vernacular earlier than it would for most kids. That's because right. They were That's basically right. analyzing your sister to try to understand her better. So you were getting knowledge that other kids wouldn't oh. be getting anyway. When she was in college, Tracy took a hybrid class that combined sociology, social work, and psychology. Their semester-long project was to create a person with a disability, which was a no-brainer for Tracy because she had a case study in her own family, her younger sister Jennifer. She began researching Jennifer's rare genetic abnormality, but the only information she could find about the condition was in the British medical journal, The Lancet. It was an article chronicling the study of a young woman with the illness, and the study of her sister, her mother, and her aunt. The article was about Tracy's family, and she recognized her family in the study, though they would be anonymous to another reader. Finding that one article of her own family was a clear indication of just how rare Jennifer's condition was. Jennifer, my middle sister, she was given a life expectancy when she was born of six weeks. So for her to have made it to almost 36 years was was a tribute to my parents and our pediatrician. Wow. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, and the love around her, too. I mean, that kind of thing can that's fuel right. people very, very well. Um, it's a combination right. of all those things. So, wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because um, we, um, we, I grew up in the, going to the same church. And, um, and, and Jennifer, of course, we, we went to Sunday school, and Jennifer was, was perpetually in the kindergarten class. So every child that came up through that, through that church in Sunday school got to experience being around her. So it was not just our family that was blessed by her. It was, it was a community. So when you think of all, of all the people that I could have gone home with, I went home with this family. My blessings started very early, Sure, very early. With such a focus on heredity and a rare disease within her immediate family, I was curious about what made Tracy want to search for her natural family. She said she was always curious and she always had her non-identifying information. But it was when she was 25 years old and pregnant with her firstborn son, who turns 29 this year, that she thought to herself, You know, it was okay for me to not have medical information, you know, family medical information. 
but to not have it for this child that I was bringing into the world, that's that's what motivated me. I really wanted to understand my genetic medical history. So at that time, which was, I guess, 30 years ago, um, the state of Tennessee, the laws around adoption records were that the adoptee could request the records. The state would, on the adoptee's behalf, um, go to the to the birth parent in this in my case it was my birth mother and 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 ask you know get consent for um for me to access those records so that's what i did i, I had the state ask for that and she came back with a very much a no absolutely not hmm. so um i pretty much gave up on it until 1995 when the Tennessee state legislature was revisiting adoption laws. Their re-examination of the laws on the books came after a well-publicized adoption battle over baby Jessica. The court case unfolded in Michigan in the early 1990s where a couple tried to adopt baby Jessica after the child's mother had relinquished her parental rights and the child into adoption. However, the biological father had not signed away his rights, so he fought to get their daughter back. That's a significantly watered-down synopsis of the case, but you get the idea. Tracy's adoption was finalized after she was one year old, whereas today, a natural parent has a 10-day window in which to take corrective action on their decision. She also pointed out that, under the old law, nothing could be released to an adoptee without the consent of the birth parents. Under the updated law, the ownership of adoption records was transferred from the natural parents to the adoptee. Therefore, the adoptee could request the records and the state would advise the natural parents the records were being released. Apparently, in Tennessee, the biological parents can add their names to a contact veto registry, which adds their name to what is effectively a do-not-contact list with criminal and civil repercussions against contact, Tracy says. Yeah, so in 1996, I got my records. Wow. And again, my birth mother registered on the, on the contact veto registry and said, no, I don't want contact. So I have 96. I, my math is horrible, but um, so 25 years ago, mm -hmm. 24 years ago, yeah. um, I've known her identity, but I have never met her. Wow. What did you think when you first got the word that she said no and then secondarily several years later said no again like how did that feel oh i was crushed i was crushed um because not only was was i being what i felt rejected again um i never felt that way before but i certainly did that first time felt rejected but but also, it was, um, it, it just, um, as an adoptee, and, and may, I, don't, I, think, I think a lot of adoptees do this. You have fantasies about who they are, what they're like. And, and I certainly, on my birthday, would think, is anybody thinking about me today? Is my birth mother thinking about me on my birthday? And so to find out that, 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 she probably didn't think about me and I was a bad memory for her. That was, that was crushing. 
it was it was very hurtful i will admit yeah that's really tough you know because so, uh, part of what you want is like just to either see a picture look face to face like have a couple of words but to get yeah. absolutely nothing like a summarily rejected hardcore no yeah. is really harsh the state even allows for you for you to i, I wrote a letter to her um, and, and it's still in my file with state because she wouldn't accept it. So she never got to see that I, that I was thankful that she, that she gave me up, that I was very grateful for the life I had and that I didn't want to impose. And I certainly wasn't asking for another mother, but, um, that was tough. That was really tough. And of course, and, and then the record named a birth father. And so until DNA came along, I was searching for someone that was a figment of her imagination. Wow. Before you get to that, I want to hold on to that for a second. <laughs> Just stay with your mom for a minute and tell me, like, mm -hmm. you've, um, you know, after a certain time, the Internet comes along. There's an mm -hmm. abundance of information out there about a variety of people. And when you know somebody's identity, mm -hmm. you can start to find your way down a path of the information, the information highway that will lead you to this person. What did you investigate her sort of in the, from the shadows, as it were, for her? I am a pro at digital stalking. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, I never bothered anybody, never, never, but I, but yes, yes, mm -hmm. I was, I was able to get a lot of information. And I will say this, um, her daughter, so my half sister chose to meet me. And so I, I was able to, to talk to her. We do not have a relationship now. Um, we tried and I don't think that either one of us could be what the other one wanted needed expected so mm -hmm. we just you know sometimes you agree to disagree well we just agreed that we'd go our separate ways it was nice to have met each other but so i did meet her and that and that shed some light a little bit of light not a lot um mm -hmm. on on my story the contact veto registry applies to the birth mother but also applies to anyone else the birth mother chooses her birth mother chose a blanket contact veto for everyone in her family. But Tracy made a specific request on the record for the state to seek out grandparents, aunts and uncles, and children of her birth mother. Her biological grandparents, out of loyalty to their daughter, declined to override the contact veto. Tracy's half-sister elected to override the veto to meet her. It's been 15 years since they had any contact, but when I asked Tracy if it was somehow enlightening to meet her birth mother's other daughter, she said, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, because I got a little more, you know, that along with my records, I got I got an idea of, of my story. And that was part of what I wanted. You know, how did I come to be? Um, and so the meeting the sister was 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 helpful. And let's just say that I was cut from my birth father's cloth, not my birth mother's. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Do, do you remember what you read in the record? Like, we didn't really talk about that. What was it like to get this record that's got 
you know, information oh. about you and the people you came from. Tell me what it felt like. It was mind boggling to see that I had another name, oh. a name that that was me that in my mind wasn't me because I'd never heard that name before. Um, it was. It certainly gave perspective to to why she relinquished me and the circumstances. It didn't give me the full story. I didn't get the full story until a lot later. But um, it it was surreal. It was it was surreal to see another name that I did not connect with and know that 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 name on paper was me. Yeah. That it was very surreal. It was very, um, it was just odd, you know, because that's not my identity. That's not who I am. Mm -hmm. And probably weird too, because what that then means is you think of yourself as Tracy. There's another person right. out in the world who thinks of you by this totally different name. Like they literally, the last time they saw you, that was the name you had. And you're, you both are talking about the same person, but you know who you are yep. and, and they haven't known you for years. That's really crazy. And knowing what I know now, I know that, she, that my birth mother buried that experience so far down deep that I doubt that even she remembers that name now. Wow. I seriously doubt it. Tracy said the records the state provided had information about her story, but Nothing about the home study regarding her adopted parents' fitness to adopt. While all of the fields were completed in the forms, the narrative itself wasn't complete at all. It was false. It gave the story of, of the circumstances, which, which I later found out were, was completely untrue. You know, it just it, it gave a name of my birth father that was not a real name. There were clues in it. For, I'll give this example. My records say that my birth father was in med school at Vanderbilt and that when he learned of the pregnancy or when she learned of the pregnancy, he had transferred to a school back east. So that that was that was a red flag right there. You know, Vanderbilt's hard to get into, let alone the med school. And you don't transfer out of it unless you fail out. Mm -hmm. So. I did go to Vanderbilt and I, and I went to their, uh, you know, their uh, alumni office or whatever. Of course, the only person who had ever attended school by the name I had was somebody that was there in 1984. Well, that's the year I graduated from high school. So I knew it wasn't that person. Mm -hmm. So that should have been a red flag to me that everything about him was incorrect. But I didn't I didn't recognize it as, yeah. as that. I knew there was something fishy about the story, but I I never thought that everything about him was incorrect. Yeah, interesting. Every, everything about my birth father was bogus. It's a funny thing. I, I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was talking with another adoptee about this very thing that when you look back, you can see how the facts were wishy-washy, kind of weird, and probably didn't make mm -hmm. sense. But the truth is, if you have zero else to go on, you're going to go with those facts as being truthful until they're proven otherwise. There's no way to say, That's exactly right. you know, I can't, eh, this doesn't make sense to me unless it's like some blaring obvious thing. If the, if like, if you have a name in your hand, that's probably the name. And here's the story of the school this person went to, et cetera, et cetera. That's probably the school. 
you can't you can't say oh Vanderbilt no way that's ridiculous you know what I mean there's just no way yeah. when you're searching for clues to ingest into your own story and make part of yourself that you can have any kind of evaluative criteria or any trigger in your mind that'll go nah that's not quite right you're you're grasping for stuff and so you're going to hold on to it that's when it's presented exactly to you right yeah that's exactly right Tracy says she was searching for a fictitious person for 20 years. Every clue she had was false, which sent her down exhausting rabbit holes with dead ends. Tracy said it would have been better to have had no name at all than to have the wrong name and be chasing false information. Without a shred of truth to advance her search, there was no pathway forward. She finally gave up and decided she was never going to know the man's identity. I'm never going to know who he is without talking to her. And obviously, I'm never going to talk to her. So I'm just never going to know. It's one of those things I thought, well, when I die and go to heaven, I'll, I'll learn then. <laughs> mm -hmm. One day, Tracy's oldest son suggested she do an ancestry DNA test. His aunt, his father's sister, had completed an ancestry test and offered one to her nephew. When his results came back, he was excited to show Tracy what they revealed. When Tracy saw his DNA information, she knew immediately that the wealth of information she could get back from submitting her own DNA sample could reinvigorate her search for the mystery man. Her closest DNA match was a second cousin whom Tracy reached out to and still hasn't heard back from today. Tracy also found a group of three brothers who were first cousins with Tracy's second cousin match, the one who never responded and she learned that the men went to high school with her birth mother. Recognizing the trove of information Facebook can offer for research, she found out she had a common friend with one of the brothers and asked her to make a connection. Tracy told the man her story. He said, he said, I know I'm not your birth father, and I'm pretty sure my brothers aren't, but I'll take a test for you. So um, he submitted his DNA. And I found out that he was my third cousin. And so it helped me in my search and it gave me my first contact with my paternal biological family. I never had. And he and his wife are, they are family to me now. They are my family. Oh, and I great. love them dearly. And they <laughs> helped me so much. While researching the family, Tracy uncovered some information that was previously a secret for that third cousin's family. Secrets that cleared up a few things for them, she said. On Facebook, Tracy joined the DNA Detectives group. She dove in, reading tips, building out family trees based on the recommendations of the group members, and piecing together DNA matches and their relations on her tree. Tracy said knowing who her birth mother was helped her eliminate DNA matches on her maternal side so she could focus on the paternal matches. Her research revealed that she had DNA matches from east of Nashville and DNA matches that came from west of Nashville. Tracy decided figuring out where the family from the east connected with her family from the west would be an important linkage. Finally, the relatives came together on one of her paternal grandparents' obituary. Digging into the information about their three sons, Tracy eliminated one son who was in Vietnam when she was conceived. She eliminated the other brother, leaving the third son. Researching the man, Tracy found articles about his campaign for public office in Nashville, so 
His photo was all over the newspapers. She said when she saw his picture, she knew he was the guy because she looked just like him. It took my breath away. It took my breath away because before that I had two, I have two sons and, and they were the closest I've ever had because, you know, they were my only biological family. But when I looked at that picture of him, I knew it was him. Mm. And um, so I, I found him. He was still alive. And I reached out to him by email and I tried, I tried every phone number I could find for him and I left voicemail messages and I never got anything back. And I let it sit for about six months because I had, by, by that point, I had found that he had children. I had siblings. And I, I was hesitant to reach out to them because I felt like this was between me and him. Mm-hmm. And I finally gave up on hearing back from him. And so I reached out to one of my half-sisters. I found three sisters and a brother on my paternal side. Oh, cool. And so I reached out to the youngest sister. She asked me, she said, why did you reach out to me? And I said, because, because you and I look the most alike. I, had, oh. I felt a connection with her when I saw her picture. Wow. In fact, I showed, I showed my parents her picture, and my daddy thought it was me is that right that's, that's how much we looked alike oh and gosh. she had a hat on with her with with a monogram and i was like look at that picture closely daddy those are not my initials <laughs> wow <is> not me. <laughs> after reaching out to her sister they talked on the phone her sister admitted when she saw tracy's pictures on facebook their relation was undeniable the sister submitted a dna sample which confirmed they were half sisters they're sent to Morgan Count, putting them in the sibling range. She wanted to be the one to tell him, and I love the way she told him. She said, she said, do you know so-and-so, my birth mother's name? And uh, he said, yeah. Yeah, how do you know her? My sister said, I don't know her, but I know her daughter. He said, really, how do you know her daughter? And he said, she said, well, because she's your daughter, too. <laughs> what? And that was on Father's Day three years ago that, oh that she told him. Wow. And what did so he say? He had, he had a bouncing baby girl, 51-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> so we communicated um, online and through text for about a month, month and a half. And then they were gathering. He lived in Knoxville. And they were gathering for my for my brother's birthday, and they invited me and my husband and my oldest son went to. And I met my birth father and his children and their families at the Olive Garden in Knoxville, Tennessee. Is that <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah. What was that like? It was where everything had been strained with my half-sister on my maternal side. Everything was very natural. It felt like I'd known them my whole life type thing when I met when I met them um, for the first time. I have I have three sisters and a brother, and that's what they are to me. That's all. Awesome. They are they are my siblings now. The siblings are somewhat scattered. One a few hours outside of Nashville, another near Knoxville, 
and at the time we chatted, another sibling was in the process of moving from North Carolina. Not too far apart. Close enough to, to get together and, and, and be with each other. And, and I will say, for as much as my birth mother rejected me, my birth father embraced me. And, and accepted me. And, and, of course, you know, if you look at me, it's kind of hard to deny me because I look just like him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it has, and for every disappointment I had before, this made up for it. Wow, that's great. This made up for it. That's incredible. I was, I was diagnosed with uh, narcolepsy about, well, a little over, probably about 11 years ago. It's probably something I've had my whole life. My my parents talk about how I used to fall asleep at my own birthday party. So we know I've, uh, Tracy and sleep is the family joke, okay? <laughs> and so um, the first time I talked with the sister that, that did the uh, DNA test, I said, oh, by the way, I have narcolepsy. Well, so does she and so does one other sister. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. So, um, so I found that, that, that medical history that I never knew. Um, my birth father passed away in April and, um, of this year, I am of this year. Oh, I'm sorry. And, and so I am so grateful and so blessed that I got to meet him and know him. So, um, I think, you know, everything in God's time, right? Mm -hmm. it, it was the right time. It was the right time. And I, I just, I, I, I couldn't be more blessed. I really couldn't. Did you go to the funeral? Well, we were in the midst of COVID. So. Oh, no. So there wasn't a funeral. Oh, so, um, but we did, we did. We did gather uh, a few weeks ago to to um, to clean out his house, and so we spent time together, the siblings, his children, his five children, um, and he, he and he would say before he died, he said, "I have five children." He's very proud of his five children, and I'm one of them. That's awesome. Um, and so it's just it's the my only regret, my only only regret is that he didn't get to meet my parents. That's my only regret. But otherwise, it has been it has been really, really cool. And I will have to tell you, I found some strange things. And this is when I told you I kept I keep researching mm -hmm. because every time I, I, it seems like I'm finding something new every time I turn around. My birth father and my adoptive father, they're fifth cousins, which makes me and my sister sixth cousins. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah, uh, well, and, and, and going back to when I got my records, my my adoptive sister. I feel like I have to clarify all these. You yeah, know, yeah these you do. Yeah, it's true. When I got my records, um, my sister's husband's mother, so my sister's mother-in-law, she was also adopted. She got her records, and we figured out that biologically, my brother-in-law and I are fifth cousins. Wow, very distant, but but there's a there's a connection. Uh, it is just unbelievable. It's like, oh yeah, we're from Tennessee. <laughs> we're all related. That's so funny. <laughs> but um, but my birth father, he did he did the DNA test. Just I I, I got in the test because I just thought he'd be fascinated by it, 
and my my adoptive first cousin he and my adoptive first cousin are dna matches so i have dna proof um beyond my research i do have that dna they have that dna match Mm -hmm. so it so i have just found so many neat things and it's kind of you know i believe that it explains why i always felt i was where i was supposed to be because i was with family i just didn't know it oh i was with extended family and i just didn't know it that's really an interesting way to look at that that in some way you were in fact home Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. really interesting can i ask you go ahead no, go ahead. I was going to ask you, how did you share your journey and your search with your adoptive parents, and and how were they along the way? Oh, bless their hearts! It seemed like every time I they turned around, I was calling, "You're not going to believe this." <laughs> That's funny. They were. They have always been supportive. Um, I can remember them saying when I was a little girl, if you ever want to search, we will help you. We will support you. And when um, when Tennessee changed the law and um, and it was the the law, the new law was being challenged um, in the court system. Um, there were a group of adoptees and birth parents and adoptive parents who were added as friends of the court, as a party to the to the suit, and I'm very proud to say that my parents were were two of those adopted parents who went on record saying, "We support this law. We support um, the uh, the ability for an adoptee to know where they came from." Oh wow, that's really cool. Good for them. So they've been they've been very supportive and. Um, of course, my daddy jokes. One day I'm going to find out that you know I'm his grandmother or something. But um, <laughs> it, but it's it's just it's been it's been an exciting journey, particularly as I found my birth father, my paternal family, and made those connections back to the family I've always known. Mm-hmm. That's really really cool. That's great that they were so supportive too. Wow, because that oh, makes it hard when fabulous. they're not. So for them to be so awesome is just that's. It's surreal. I can't. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it would be like to not have support. I know. I know that happens. Mm -hmm. And I've watched those stories on TV shows and podcasts, and I've shed tears with them. Um, But I've. But that has always brought me back to recognizing how blessed I've been. Mm -hmm. How How truly blessed I've been. Indeed, that's really cool, Tracy. I'm glad to hear that. I'm so glad you got the opportunity to meet your biological father and oh, you know yeah. get to know him over a couple of years before his unfortunate mm-hmm. passing cuz there's so many of those stories as you know where a person is just short of meeting that person oh, yeah. they're just too late or or they just yeah. met him and the person's gone too soon and you got like a little bit of time in there to get to know I him did. and bond with your siblings that's really awesome I did, and 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 he got to see that um, that he that he was leaving this world with five children who were bonded with each other, and I think that gave him peace. Mm-hmm. I um, bet it did. So because he was he was a week shy of his eighty first birthday when he passed, and so it's you know I'm very fortunate to have found him alive. Yeah. Um. 
it's again just goes back to God's time and you you get things when you're ready when God knows you're ready and it's 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 it, 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 it just has been very good for me my search has been what started out as very disappointing and very heartbreaking with my birth mother it, it finding him and and these siblings that I found has made has made all the heartache just non-existent that's great I, I don't worry about her that's good I'm glad to hear that wow incredible well congratulations Tracy I'm glad everything well, worked you. out for you of course of course thanks so much for taking time to call me and share your story this was this was really absolutely. fascinating absolutely um, I've, I've been looking forward to it and I love your I love your um your show but um yeah i i really enjoy it so thank you for for letting me share my story no it's, it's my pleasure it's fun to tell i couldn't do it if it wasn't for guests like you right so <laughs> good talking to you tracy take care all the best all right you too have a good evening you too bye-bye bye-bye hey it's me Tracy's journey was fascinating to me, starting off in a supportive home where she had two sisters. It was interesting to hear how the rare condition Jennifer had drew attention away from Tracy, the adoptee, and made all of the sisters unique because they were so different and very much loved. Tracy made two attempts to get in contact with her birth mother, one where the woman rejected the state's attempt, the second where the woman registered herself not to be contacted at all. But her DNA detective work led Tracy to paternal links and her birth father, who took pride in her as his daughter before he passed away. But the duality of her DNA connections was remarkable because her adoptive family and her biological family are actually DNA connected to one another. Like she said, she's always been at home, in her family, where she belonged. Hers is a story of twos, two sisters, two rejections, two families where she feels at home. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Tracy's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash really or follow on Twitter at really. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on patreon.com slash really. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And if you're interested, you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir on Amazon.com, on Kindle, or as an audiobook on Audible. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list. just tell just to take things even further shepherd is a family name so when i found my my paternal siblings i have an older sibling mm -hmm. didn't expect to find an older sibling but i have an older sibling 
her first husband is my adoptive father's second cousin. Really? Wow. So her son, so her son, my nephew, my biological nephew is also my second cousin once removed in my adoptive family. I mean, Man. it just keeps going. You were you were really tied in close. That's crazy. Which is crazy because I never knew these people. I never knew them, but I'm related. But I'm related to them in a multitude of ways. Yeah, you're related to everybody. <laughs> I, it's 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 kind of scary. You're the link in the <laughs> middle. It sounds like that's awesome. I have a friend who says it's no wonder. It, it, I, how did you not get a sloped forehead looking Neanderthal? <laughs> 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 That's hilarious. <laughs> so he, he makes a point, but I don't. I don't have a slope for it. <laughs> That's funny. That's hysterical. So we might be related, Tracy. You never know. <laughs> well, I was. You know, I want to say that, but you, you're exactly right. Um, <laughs> you're related I, I, to everybody. Have, have you done ancestry? <laughs> Let me go look. You look and see if you're in there. <laughs> go cyber stalk and see what surprised. you can find. <laughs> 